thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Howdy, hey. <laughs> Randall K. Coming to you live from Spectacular Spring Hill for uh, the Sunday evening edition. I can hardly hear myself. I'll turn my headphones set up. Anyway, um, Sunday evening edition of Bible News Radio, Sunday in the Scriptures. And your sweet and lovable host is here, sitting across the table from me, but doesn't want to be on camera, so... Can you hear me, people? Not very well. Oh, wait, hold on. Oh, yeah, I might have to turn my mic up, huh? Maybe. All right, well, hey, everybody. You know, this is like me doing podcasts in the dark. Yeah, it is. But you know it's me because just, I just echoed myself. So here's the deal, people. Tonight, my husband, Bearface, also known as Bear, also known as Randall Pandle Bearface, <laughs> is going to be doing a, a Bible study. Yeah, got to pay attention to him, okay? Because he, he's taking some time to study this material, right? So go get your Bible. Yep, you got to go do that, right? Yeah, you do. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. You're like, why are you not on camera? Because you know what? Honestly, I'm in my sweats and t-shirt from last night. I didn't even get dressed today, people. Just so you know, I am kicking back, taking the day off. But I want you to enjoy my husband mm-hmm. yeah I do because he's so cute but he also knows what the heck he's talking about I swear you're so funny <laughs> you can't see what I'm seeing I, you know anyway so in all seriousness let me just say this to you people people first of all you know this is a broadcast of uh of Heart Tug International, and what I will tell you, we are a nonprofit ministry. Do not put me up, please. Don't put me up. I look awful. All I right. Will, well, I just want to. I will see hate you. you forever if you do that. <laughs> I'll put my hat over there. So then, if you decide you want to put me up, then you'll get the hat. But uh, anyway, so we're a production of Heart Tug International, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we are. Do I trust you? I guess I... I know this, this seems funny. Just to It is funny. Should have something else up on the... <laughs> to the listeners, the audio makes no difference. But... Right. But anyway, so you guys, look. You know, I know that you come for me, but you stay for Bareface. So, look. I, I'm here. I am here. I'm behind the scenes today. I'm, I was spending a lot of time refreshing myself in God's word just by myself today. It's one of the, I'm an introvert, and I know a lot of you don't believe that, but it's true. I'm actually more of an introvert than I am an extrovert. Over time, you know, I used to be 50-50, but now I'm actually more of an introvert. And so I had to spend the day today mostly by myself, me and Mr. and my dog and my Bible. And, uh, and just refresh me, you know, and feed me, you know, because, you know, we give a lot, you know. Uh, and... So, Randall, you That's know, me. 
he comes and he does some wonderful things. And I know you guys enjoy his Bible teaching. So I really just want to encourage you to take the time to listen to what Randall's going to teach you because he's a man of God's word. It's one of the things I'm totally thankful for. And just remind you that, again, we're a nonprofit. And if you feel led to donate to the show uh, and to the work that we do, we really would appreciate that. Give to your heart's content, whatever your heart desires, uh, you know, totally would appreciate that. And also would totally, what are you doing? Pointing to the Oh, the ticker? This is give at BibleNewsRadio.com. Yeah, if you go to BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give, that's where you can donate. And also pray for us, you know? Randall and I need your prayer, especially me, because, you know. No, especially me. Especially him, because he lives well, with me. No, well, because <laughs> he lives with me. Because <laughs> we live with each other. But, um, yeah, no, pray for us. We need prayer. Um, you know, I'm still dealing with my dad and in, in that whole situation there. I haven't talked a lot about it because it's, it's a very sensitive, tender spot in my mind. My, my mother's birthday is coming up this week. You know, so there's some, you know, emotional trigger points coming up this week for me and so we just ask that you keep me in prayer keep Randall in prayer for God's provision to come in for for us and um, you know just so we would be able to continue to be an encouragement to the body of Christ and to lift Jesus up you know that's ultimately what we want to do we're not here to get rich we're not here to become famous believe me I have no desire to become either Uh, but I, you know, we do have, we do have needs and we do have expenses. And so, um, you know, I know it's tight. COVID has hit everybody. Um, and I just want to give the Lord a shout out and thank him for providing for us through COVID this whole thing. We haven't had to, we haven't had to, uh, file for unemployment or anything. Um, you know, we live on sales. I mean, we both, our sales were in sales. God's provided, you know, the bread and fish every month for us as we've gone through this, this year. Uh, but by no means are we living high on the hog. <laughs> uh, in fact, not even close. Uh, but you know what? I'm content because, you know, the, the Bible is, is sufficient, but we do have bills. So anyway, so thank you for taking the time to bless us, to be with us. Don't forget, you can get into our Daily Disciples Facebook group in there every day. We're having people read God's word and ministering to one another in there, which is a great thing. I read earlier today, Bareface read, read later today. Um, we have a great team of people. Let's see. We have, uh, we have Stacy McPherson, who's, who's in there. She's a good friend of mine from Legal Shield. She's, she reads every day or not every day, every week. We got Carmen Sanchez, who's a, a woman of God. I totally love her. Uh, we have Virginia Prodan, who is a, uh, um, she's an author and she was persecuted for her faith in Romania. She's in there reading for us. We have, uh, uh, Pam Gillespie in there who is an amazing woman of the word of God. She's in there reading for us and giving her nuggets of wisdom in there as well. We have Tom and Jerry Herb, H-E-R-B, uh, both those, you know, they're a cute couple. They're in there and, um, they, they're reading for us. Uh, sometimes we have Tracy in there reading as well. Sometimes when she, she gets time to read, she reads. Am I forgetting somebody besides me? Have I forgotten anybody? Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I think 
<laughs> is this me? Now this is me. Yes. The voice coming from the galaxy. Um, I think that's it. I, if I forgot somebody, I apologize. But, but anyway, the point is, is that we have, um, we have some friends who are reading the Bible every day and they're not being paid to do it. They're doing it because they just love the word of God. They want to edify people in the word of God. And I also teach a Bible study every other week. And actually really it's, it's really not, it's, I mean, I'm changing it. So it's really going out, you know, kind of daily really in a, in a way, um, on the book of revelation right now, which is going to take us some time, but you're welcome to join that. That's, that's a free study that we're doing as well. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's a lot going on and it's not just this, this three days that we're here on the show doing this. So just want to kind of let you know, it's a little bit more than that. We, you know, and I mentor a lot of women behind the scenes as well. So, you know, we could just appreciate your prayers. Um, uh, and, um, uh, and thank you. Thank you very much, people. Yeah. So I'm going to pray now for my husband as he gets ready to teach the word. And I would just ask that you join me in that prayer. Father, um, you are the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You are the living word and you're active and, and your word is active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, we know that it divides the, it divides the, t- you know, anyway, you know what it is I'm trying to say. Anyway, Hebrews 4.12, we just go look it up. Anyway, Lord, we, we thank you for, uh, for Randall. And I thank you for his love for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the amazing mind that you've given him to be able to know your word, to teach it. Um, thank you once in a while I actually can tell him something he doesn't know. <laughs> uh, not very often. But anyway, anyway, we, we just thank you for Bareface. I ask that you would speak, speak through him now, use him now to promote your word and teach people who are listening. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for that. In Jesus's awesome and holy name we pray. Amen. And amen. Can I get an amen, people? Yeah, I can. All right, Bareface. Amen. It's uh, back to you, Bareface. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. I'm going to turn my mic down now. Okay. All right, people, if you're still hanging out, um, you know, we've been going through the Gospel of John recently into the Daily Disciples group. Those of you who are faithful to read every week appreciate that. I also appreciate that. I know Stace mentioned it earlier. But uh, when we did uh, Chapter 4, which was, I think as early as yesterday i don't know i thought maybe as coming across the that dialogue uh between jesus yeshua yehoshua and and the unnamed woman at the well there at the the fountain uh jacob's fountain or jacob's well there uh that um that you know without an understanding of what is going on there the the long history why the jews and the samaritans have no dealings with each other well kind of still don't but especially then in the first century so i thought it'd be good to go over a little bit of a history lesson uh this evening and uh, this may be all familiar to uh, some of you, so you can just tune out, 
go do something uh, important. But for those of you who may not be familiar with the backdrop to that conversation as why the Jews and the Samaritans uh, had no dealings with each other, the best commentary in Scripture is Scripture, so uh, let's look, take a look at the history behind the woman at the well, uh, the Jews and the Samaritans. So in John chapter 4, we'll read verses uh, 1 through 9, uh, verses in question that prompted this um, this exploration into history for me that I wanted to share. I'm going to go ahead and read that. Text is on the screen. This is the uh, literal version, uh, i.e. or the... Uh, some call it the modern King James version, those later revised, uh, the translator being J, J-A-Y, middle initial P, last name Green, J-P, Green, uh, did this translation. Pretty good, uh, pretty good translation, true to the Greek, although it does include the anglicized names of people and places just because it's familiar to English readers. Whereas other uh, translations that I've been reading lately, such as the Tree of Life version or the Scriptures uh, 2009 edition, uh, preserve the Hebrew flavor of names of people and places. Anyway, I digress. Try to get through this in the next 45 minutes. John chapter 4, verses 1. I'm going to go through verse 9. But uh, then when the Lord, that would be Yehoshua, Yeshua, Jesus, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees heard that Jesus made more disciples and baptized more than John, though truly Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and went away into Galilee again. And it was needful for him to pass through Samaria. And he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the place of the land Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's fountain was there. And being wearied by the journey, Jesus sat thus on the fountain. It was about the sixth hour. That's about noon. Um, a woman came out of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me some to drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city that they might buy provisions. Then the Samaritan woman said to him, How do you, being a Jew, ask to, to drink from me, I being a Samaritan woman? For the Jews do not deal with Samaritans. And that would be John's commentary. I believe not what she said. She put it, he, John, put it there for the reader. Just, just you know, you know, she's saying this thing, and they may not be familiar. So he puts in there for Jews do not have, do not deal with Samaritans. So John thought there might be a reader who was not familiar with the fact that the Jews do not deal with Samaritans. So it may be that many readers today don't understand the whole dynamic of that. And so I'd like to take a look at that in the scriptures. Again, the best commentary in scripture is scripture. So to do that, we're going to turn the pages way back to way before the first century, 
even going back um, like 1400 years BC, back to the time of Moshe to Moses, and uh, the recording, the what was, um, yeah, the recording of the law and the restatement of the law, uh, which is in Deuteronomy, uh, from the Greek meaning second law. It's not really a second law. It's really a a repetition of the law preparing a new generation to enter the promised land. Because uh, the first the generation of the exodus from Egypt, because of their uh, disobedience and lack of faith, had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and that generation died out. And so their children, the second generation and younger, uh, were now ready to come in and occupy the promised land. And in preparation for that, the law is reiterated. So... In Deuteronomy, we read these things, they're prophetic, in Deuteronomy chapter 17, and these are things concerning a king, that this is before they go into land, um, and we're going to see what, what the law says prophetically about when these folks get themselves set up in the promised land. When you come into the land, which Jehovah or the Lord, that, that's the one thing. All right, time out. That's the one thing I don't like about the literal version or J.P. Green's translation. As I understand, um, the name Jehovah is, is a misnomer. I was waiting for the stones from the Jehovah's Witnesses be thrown at me but um where we see the in most english bibles the uppercase lord all in capitals capital l capital l capital r capital d lord uh that's where the in the hebrew text the tetragrammaton the the, the three or the three four tetra four harp the four Hebrew consonants appear that make up the personal name of God. Now, traditionally, it's not to be pronounced. Um, and so, in, in Hebrew scriptures, in Torah scrolls, etc., that have nikidot, uh, the vowel markings, uh, the vowel markings are there uh, for to remind the reader to say Adonai, which means my Lord, uh, instead of trying to actually pronounce the unpronounceable name. And so it's my understanding that with those vowel markings, non-Jews have seen the, the letters that make up the personal name of God and the vowel markings there to remind them um, to say Adonai, and they take the, the consonants with the vowel markings and make it into a name Yahowah or Yahovah, depending if he's, you're Ashkenazi, Sephardic, and it's either Wa or Vav, that letter between the Hays. Um, anyway, so Jehovah is really not uh, 
you know, it's a, it's a name made up from the consonants that make up the name of God and vowel markings for Adonai. And so, but for whatever reason, um, the translator, J.P. Green, uh, decided to render the Tetragrammaton as Jehovah. Anyway, that was for free. So, when you come to the land which the Lord, your God, is giving to you, and have possessed it, and settled in it, and you shall say, Let me set a king over me, like all the nations around me. Then you shall certainly set a king over you. You may not give an alien the rule over you, one who is not your brother. So, no no foreigner is a king. Only he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to turn back to Egypt so as to multiply horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall not again return in this way any more. And ye shall not multiply, or ye, and he shall not multiply wives to himself, and his heart shall not turn aside, and he shall not greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. And there's a reason I bolded these phrases. So what the king is to do, and it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from before the priests, the Levites, and it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord your God, to keep the words of this law and these statutes, to do them so that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or to the left, so that he may prolong the days over his kingdom, he and his sons, in the midst of Israel. So you may be familiar that there did come that time that um, they said they wanted a king, just like the nations around us, and they told Samuel the prophet, and Samuel was all upset, and God told Samuel, "It's they haven't rejected you, they rejected me. And so they set up a king, Shaul, Saul, over them. And there were, some, there were issues with him. And then the shepherd boy became king, David, David. And uh, he was a man after God's own heart, though, though a murderer and adulterer. Uh, time, he was repentant. And, uh, and the Lord blessed him in many ways. And his son... Uh, uh, Shlomo, or Solomon, um, reigned in his stead. And we may recall that when Solomon became king, uh, the Lord came to him and said, uh, what shall I give you? And he said, you know, I'm as a child, I don't know how to go in or come out. Uh, give me wisdom. That's what I want. And the Lord says, you know, because you've asked for this, I'll give you wisdom and the things you didn't ask for. I'll also give you. Anyway, so Solomon, his wisdom was uh, world-renowned, at least throughout the Mediterranean world. And and he became famous. Visitors from afar bring him tribute, stuff like that. And so his God-given wisdom, uh, which allowed him to rule well, 
became the um, I was going to say not really the envy, but the but the really the worship of the nations around him, and um, it kind of went to his head. Not just kind of. Let's uh, pop over to First Kings and read about Solomon. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen, and he had a thousand four hundred chariots and twelve thousand horsemen, and he placed them in the cities of the chariots and with the king in Jerusalem. And the horses that King Solomon had were bought, brought from Egypt. Remember, going back to Deuteronomy, the king should not multiply horses and he shouldn't go get horses from Egypt because uh, you're never to return back that way. Well, 12,000 horsemen, is that for three horses? I don't think so. Probably at least 12,000 horses. And he brought horses from Egypt. Not good. Well, he's not to multiply wives to himself. Solomon didn't do that, did he? Well, and he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And why did he say not multiply your wives? And that they turn his heart? What happened? And his wives turned away his heart. And it happened at the time Solomon was old. His wife turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God like the heart of his father David. So back there in Deuteronomy, uh, you will ask for a king, you'll set a king over you, can't be a foreigner, and that king's not to multiply horses to himself, no, nor wives, nor gold, nor silver. Well, Solomon was okay there, wasn't he? Um, no. And the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 660 talents of gold. And the king made silver in Jerusalem as stones. I mean, silver was so common. So, everything that the word of God, the law of God, told the king not to do in his later life, Solomon ended up doing. And, um, and didn't it didn't uh, go well for the nation in many ways. And the kingdom was starting to fracture and um and there was a guy uh named uh, Yerobam or Jeroboam we'll go with the anglicized name uh who was starting to set himself up as a contender saying hey you know um well that's later on Solomon died Rehoboam Solomon's son came to be a king but um, at that time, the kingdom was already on shaky ground. And so, um, people were thinking, well, oh, here comes Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, and is he going to do, you know, any better? And, uh, Jeroboam had sort of a fraction, uh, faction with him, uh, saying, hey, we don't, you know, like what's going on in Jerusalem, and, uh, hopefully, uh, Mr. King's son, new king, Rehoboam, um, you're going to do things a little better. And, uh, you know, I've got a bunch of people with me, kind of a, a voting block here, or, uh, you know, a lobbying group, and uh, we're hoping to see some changes. So, 
Rehoboam, that's the son of Solomon, went to Shechem, uh, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. And it happened when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard, and he was still in Egypt, where he had fled from the face of Solomon, the king, and Jeroboam lived in Egypt. So you back, you know, at the end of the reign of Solomon, Jeroboam was there starting to stir up some stuff. And so, so Rehoboam is made king, and, and Jeroboam comes back into Israel. Okay, and they sent and called him, saying, uh, Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel, and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, Your father made our yoke hard, and now you should lighten some of the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke that he put upon us, and we will serve you. And he said to them, Go, get, go, yet in three days come back to me. And the people went. And King Rehoboam consulted with the elders who had been standing before the face of his father Solomon while he was still alive, saying, How do you advise in order to answer this pe people? And they spoke to him, saying, If you are a servant to this people today, and will serve them, and answer them, and speak to them good words, they will be servants of you forever. But he forsook the counsel of the elders, which they advised him, and consulted with the young men who had grown up with him, who were standing before him. And he said to them, What do you advise? And and we shall answer the people who have spoken to me, saying, Lighten some of the yoke your father put upon us. And they spoke to him, the young men who had grown up with him, saying, So you shall say to this people who have spoken to you, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy, you make it light on us. So you shall speak to them, My little finger is thicker than the loins of my father, and now my father laid a heavy yoke on you, and I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, I will surely chastise you with scorpions. And they came, Jeroboam and all the people, to Rehoboam on the third day, as the king had spoken, saying, Come back to me on the third day. And the king replied to the people harshly, and forsook the counsel of the elders which they advised him, and spoke to them according to the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, and I shall add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, and I will surely chastise you with scorpions. So, needless to say, he didn't win favor uh, with the people. Uh, you know, folks were there having some uh, issues with Solomon's kingdom as it was starting to crumble, and he was starting to come down harder than people, and and Jeroboam was out there, you know, um, kind of raising up a, a, a challenge to him. But then he ended up fleeing to Egypt. But when he heard that Rehoboam was made king, you know, they sent for him. He comes back and and uh, was hoping things are going to be better under Rehoboam. But Rehoboam forsakes the advice of the elders and goes with the advice of his peers, uh, younger men, who um, did not give him good advice. Here's, here's, a, here's a lesson <laughs> for you young people, even young people like me in my 50s. You know, old, older people have been around for a while, and they've seen a thing or two. And so they often have some very good advice for 
going through life. Not because they've done it perfectly, but because they've made mistakes. And as my father used to say, it's better to, you know, you can learn from your mistakes, but it's better to learn from other people's mistakes. So, you know, when you consult some of your peers, they haven't lived, they've only lived as much life as you have. You know, God grants wisdom to people for sure. Seek God first uh, for wisdom, and often he provides wisdom through wise, godly counselors who are older. So, anyway, it looks like maybe I'm having some um, problems here streaming, but since I'm still recording, I'm going to go uh, through this. I'm going to keep doing this thing, and hopefully uh, we'll catch up. All as well seems maybe on... I don't know, we'll see. All right. So it didn't go very well with um, people in Rehoboam. He took the the counsel of his peers, and um, yeah. And what happened after that? First Kings again, chapter twelve. And all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, and the people sent the king back words, saying, What portion do we have in David? Yea, there is no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Now see to your house, O David. And Israel went to his tents. And the sons of Israel, those living in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. And it happened when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had returned, that they sent and called him to the company and caused him to reign over all Israel. None followed after the house of David except the tribe of Judah only. And later on we find that um, Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin, joined the ranks of, of Rehoboam, so Judah and Benjamin neighboring tribe, Benjamin, say province, kind of. Anyway, uh, remained under Rehoboam and the other ten tribes of Israel uh, made Jeroboam their king. So, we had a kingdom divided. And Jeroboam built Shechem in the hills of Ephraim and lived in it, and went out from there, and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom shall turn back to the house of David, if this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem. Then the heart of this people shall turn again to their lord Rehoboam, the king of Judah, and they will kill me, and go again to Rehoboam, the king of Judah. And the king took counsel and made two calves of gold. And he said to them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold your gods, O Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And he set the one in Bethel, and, he set, and the other he put in Dan. And this thing became a sin, for the people went before the one to Dan, and he made a house of high places, and he made priests of the lowest people who were not of the sons of Levi. 
First Kings chapter 12. So there's this divided kingdom. Ten tribes in the north formed the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, Judah and Benjamin in the south formed the kingdom of Judah under Rehoboam. Uh, but there's a problem because in the Torah, in the books of the law, the books of Moses, the Pentateuch, uh, it talks about the three times a year that um, uh, men need to go to Jerusalem to worship. And he's thinking, well, heck, if they do that, they go to Jerusalem, they're going to the now divided kingdom, they're going to the south, and and they may never come back, the fallen allegiance to Rehoboam again. So he set up these alternate centers of worship. Uh, primarily, um, there's the two calves, but primarily the uh, Mount Gerizim. And if you go back to um, uh, Deuteronomy and uh, when the blessings and the curses are being announced on Mount Ebal, Mount Gerizim, at Mount Gerizim, Anyway, Mount Gerizim um, um, became the 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 alternate, you know, the alternative, the the sort of opposite of Jerusalem. Mount Gerizim was the the holy mountain, as opposed to uh, Mount Zion and Jerusalem. So there was this alternative um, worship uh, set up. Uh, system set up that even involved idolatry. And you can read in the books of the kings and the chronicles the succession of kings in Israel and how it just went downhill from there. And um, ultimately, we read of their demise in 2 Kings chapter 17. For he, that would be God, tore Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king. And Jeroboam turned Israel from following the Lord and caused them to sin a great sin. Until the Lord turned away Israel from his face, as he spoke by the hand of all his servants, the prophets. And Israel was exiled from its land to Assyria to this day. And the king of Assyria brought men in from Babylon, and from Kutha, and from Ava, and from Hamath, and from Sepharvaim, uh, and made them live in the cities of Samaria instead of the sons of Israel. And they possessed Samaria and lived in its cities. Alright, so a little bit, um, I mean, that told us what was going on, but... Uh, in sort of, in a nutshell, the northern kingdoms were conquered by Assyria, and and the M.O. of Assyria was to, you know, they didn't want to just take people out, because then the land would be desolate and be overrun by, you know, flora and fauna. Uh, so... Th so they wanted to be inhabited. They wanted the cities to be inhabited. They conquered. But they didn't want native people there because those people were familiar with the land. So they brought people from other kingdoms that they conquered and set them there uh, so that they would be busy just trying to eke out a living in this unfamiliar land. 
uh, let alone gathering themselves up together to, to revolt against Assyria uh, because they were unfamiliar. And often, you know, they didn't want it to be total strangers in the land, so they'd, left, they'd leave some of the, the original peoples there and bring the foreigners in. And, and typically they would intermarry and um, kind of come up with a new um, race, I guess, of people in the, the conquered land. And that happened, and you can read... Uh, in the scriptures, how there was this mix of worship of of the Lord, uh, you know, the one true God, uh, you know, the God of the Bible, and this idolatry too. Well, well, Jeroboam is part of that with the calves, but especially with the influx of foreign people to the land, uh, there it was this hybrid system. So it became a mixed multitude of, of different people groups as well as religion. Now, the southern kingdom of Judah, uh, they were exiled to Babylon, 2 Kings chapter 25. And it happened in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, in the tenth of the month, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came, he and his army, against Jerusalem and camped against it and built a siege mound all around it. And the king of Babylon struck them and killed them in Riblah in the land of Hamath, and he exiled Judah from its land. Now, the MO of the Babylonians was a little different. They would, instead of leaving the cities and bringing foreigners to inhabit it, they just destroy the place and, and leave it that way. And then you can read in... Jeremiah about the fall of Jerusalem and in Lamentations about the exile. And you can read in um, Ezra and Nehemiah about the return uh, to Jerusalem after being captive in Babylon for 70 uh, some years. And in fact, uh, for the sake of this, we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 13 after a, a large contingent of the like I said, Jews you know, from the southern kingdom of Judah had returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the city. On that day, they read in the book of Moses in the ears of the people, and it was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever because they did not meet the sons of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. But our God turned the curse to a blessing. And it happened when they heard the law, and I bolded this, they separated all the mixed multitude from Israel. So that mixed multitude that remained um, from the northern kingdom of Israel, those people that had intermarried with with the foreigners brought in by the Assyrian captors, um, that uh, that mixed multitude, um, that separation was made, and and so continued. Um, so there's a separation and this spitefulness. 
Um, and as a, evidence of that, in John chapter 8, you know, the Pharisees, the, the Jews, the relig religious leaders, I could say that in the first century, uh, said to Jesus, then the Jews answered and said to him, do we not say well that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? That gives you um, a, a good idea of the sentiment against Samaritans on the side of the Jews. And just a few bold points here. Samaritans reject, re rejected all the Old Testament except the Torah. Uh, you know, the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses. And uh, upon returning from Babylon, Jews transcribed the Old Testament using uh, the Aramaic alphabet. You know, what we see today and we recognize as Hebrew is Hebrew. It's the Hebrew language but it's not using the old Hebrew alphabet because, because going back to Jeroboam, uh, the, the Samaritans, be they the original Israelites and the later mixed multitude, uh, because of Jerusalem, they didn't want Mount Zion and Jerusalem to be the center of worship anymore. They had rewritten the Torah rewritten the law of Moses so that Mount Gerizim was now the new center of worship and some other changes to reflect the new religious system. So when the Jews had returned from Babylon back to Jerusalem, uh, part of the separation was they saw the old Hebrew alphabet as as uh, sullied or, you know, stained, um, adulterated because, uh, and the scriptures themselves had been altered to reflect this alternate system of worship with Mount Gerizim at the center of it and the, uh, and the like. And so to distinguish the two, um, the Jews having been in Babylon uh, using the Aramaic alphabet and, and familiar with the language there, use the Aramaic alphabet to still write in the Hebrew language but with a different alphabet. And what survives today are really Aramaic letters uh, rather than old Hebrew letters. It's the Hebrew language using the Aramaic alphabet. So, you know, to separate the scriptures, the rewritten ones by the Samaritans from the the, you know, the Jewish scriptures uh, to identify them. They were written with the Aramaic alphabet. And I have them there in parentheses, SP, which would be the Samaritan Pentateuch, again, because they're only looking at those five books of Moses. They don't have the, uh, they didn't, you know, keep the prophets or the writings, the Nevi'im or the Ketuvim, uh, just the, the Torah. And versus the Masoretic text, which is the so-called, well, it's the Hebrew text with the Aramaic alphabet that has um, been passed down to the ages through which our Old Testament is is translated from the Masoretic text. Anyway, uh, Samaritans would often attack Jews traveling south through Samaria. It was okay to come up from Jerusalem and travel through Samaria. Uh, Samaria being that middle province between Judah in the south, or Judea, as it was in the first century, the Rome, Romans called it, and Galilee in the north. 
um, Sea of Galilee, and then the you know Dead Sea in the south, and the Jordan River going up between. Uh, Samaria was that place in between, and so <clears throat> Jews traveling south to go to Jamaria, go to Jerusalem, uh, were often beaten up, or sometimes even killed. You know, how dare you come through Samaria to go to Jerusalem? And that, again, goes way back to Jeroboam. He didn't want people going to Jerusalem lest they fall back under Rehoboam's reign. And so, uh, traditionally, it continued on into the first century. Um, and Jews would not accept conversion of Samaritans to Judaism. Uh you know, they saw that going back to Nehemiah 13, that this is the mixed multitude mixed with Moabites and Amorites. They're, they're not allowed in any part of temple worship, um, not even supposed to be in the temple, let alone um, be Jews. And so there was this, this great separation, spitefulness um, going on into uh, the first century. So that brings us back, that brings us back to John chapter 4. Need to correct my screen here. With the Samaritan woman and the Jewish Messiah. Picking up in verse 10 of John chapter 4. Jesus asked and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and the one who was saying to you, give me to drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no vessel and the well is deep. From where then do you have this have living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? And he and his sons and his livestock drank out of it? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone drinking of this water will thirst again, but whoever may drink of the water which I will give him will not thirst, never. But the water which I give to him will become a fountain of water in him, springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, Well, did you say I have no husband? For you have had five husbands, and now he whom you have is not your husband. You have spoken this truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain... Gerizim, and you say that in Jerusalem, on Mount Zion, is the place where it is necessary to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, that an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither in this mountain, where they were in Samaria, uh, Mount Gerizim, nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is of the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, 
when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father also seeks such, the ones worshiping him. God is a spirit, and the ones worshiping him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, the one called Christ. When that one comes, he will announce to us all things. Jesus said to her, I am the one speaking to you. So there was a centuries-old contention about where to worship, whether it was on Mount Gerizim or on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, going way back to Jeroboam and Rehoboam, way, way back. And then there was this um, rewriting of the Torah to reflect the Samaritan worship system. There was the rejection of the prophets and the law. And there was the rejection of the Jews of the Samaritans and basically anything to do with them. And the feeling was mutual. There's a separation of scriptures, etc. And, and, you know, it comes out here that the true worship is worship in spirit and in truth. It's not, this is, <laughs> you worship what you do not know. Because things have been corrupted going back to uh, Jeroboam and the rewriting of the scriptures. Salvation is the Jews. It's, it's always been through, you know, the tribe of Judah and the, and the, and the lineage of David, which, which Messiah would come. So while there was this disagreement on where one ought to worship, there was this common knowledge that there was the coming Messiah, the one of whom Moses spoke, uh, the prophet with a capital P that would be raised up. Sorry, Muslims, it wasn't it wasn't um, Muhammad. Um, Muhammad didn't fulfill any prophecies of the Old Testament. Oh, only Yehoshua, Yeshua, Jesus did that. Um, hundreds of them, as a matter of fact, hundreds of prophecies. Uh, so while there was this contention about where to worship and some confusion over it, Jesus said, there's an hour coming, and now is. It's not about where, but how. Uh, worshiping in spirit and in truth. And so while this division continued uh, between Jews and Samaritans, this, this uh, separation and spitefulness, there was an agreement that Messiah was coming and would change things up. Both parties were looking for Messiah. And this woman has this encounter. He says, the one speaking to you, that I am. I am the Messiah. And in fact, what we see um, in the New Testament is this uh, healing of, of division. In fact, in the writings of Paul, a Jew, um, a Benjamite, 
writes to the church at Ephesus. Because of this, remember that you, the nations of the Gentiles, were then in the flesh, those having been called uncircumcision, by those having been called circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers of the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were then afar off, came to be near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, he making us both one, the breaking and breaking down the middle wall of partition in his flesh, causing to cease the enmity, the law of the commandments and decrees that he might self create the two into one new man, making peace and might reconcile both in one body to God through the cross, slaying the, enem slaying the enmity in himself. And coming, he proclaimed peace to you, the ones afar off and the ones near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and tenants, but you are fellow citizens of the saints of the family of God, being built up on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom all the building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple of the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So despite their differences, and despite the contentions, they both were right, though, of course, Jesus was always right. The Jews uh, were always right, according to, you know, understanding the promises, but both looking for the Messiah. And when he came, um, as we just read there in Ephesians, you know, the wall of separation between Jews and everyone else uh, was taken down. Uh, was slain, uh, destroyed in the body of Christ, slain the enmity in himself. And so no one is no longer a stranger uh, to the family of God and uh, heirs of his promises of the covenants. Um, though the New Testament, the New Covenant, was made with the um, with the house of Judah and of Israel. Um, the coming of the Messiah and fulfilling that New Testament uh, wiped out those things that kept us separated: circumcision versus uncircumcision, um, Jew versus Gentile. And it's no longer about Mount Gerizim versus Mount Zion. It's about, it's no longer this, you know, this temple versus that temple. Uh, we, all of humankind who are in Christ, who have received Messiah, are being built together into a dwelling place of God and the Spirit.
because there is no really a house of God, right? I mean, there's you know, we talk about going into the house of God, but um, I believe it's in Isaiah sixty something sixty six. I want to say. Anyway, you know, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? There's no place that contains God except for us as a living temple, as uh, being built together, the household of God, uh, for the indwelling of God's spirit. So, anyway, long Bible history lesson there. That gives you some better understanding of, of really all that's, well, not all that's at stake there in chapter 4. There's a whole lot to say about the woman coming to the well by herself at noon and etc. And her five husbands and shacking up with number six and that kind of thing. Uh, there's a whole sermon's worth of material there. but But I just wanted to pick up on... Uh, John's little note of explanation there for the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans uh, to expand upon that. Why is that? What does that mean? And and if you stuck around for all this, then um, now you know. With that, I'm going to hang it up. And I do pray that the Lord will bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you peace. And may you, as um, a servant of the Lord, a child of God through Christ, may you be bold, stand up and go with God because he loves you. And it gives you all that you need to be bold. Every reason to stand up and uh, when you go with him, um, uh, you're in the majority. <laughs> You plus God is the majority. Um, for you know, all things work together for God, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So learn to love the Lord. Learn to hear his voice that you may walk according to his purpose. And uh, his word promises that all things will work out for the good. Thanks for being with me. The Lord bless you. And uh, we'll catch you... I guess, Lord willing, uh, Friday evening when we'll probably look at some current headlines from a biblical perspective. Good night. God bless.